Coming to you from dreary Portland, Oregon. What the fuck? Shut up, lady. You're fucking up the audio. Your hosts, Katie Cassidy and Aaron Brancher, have some hot takes on film, cinema, and the movies. That's all the same thing. It's the Ask Backwards Podcast. You idiot. You moron. You stupid bitch. Uh, what are we talking about today, Caitlin? All right. Uh, tried to think of a clever name, but it's not there for me, so everyone just pretend I said something clever, I guess. Uh, we have our top ten personal favorite movies right now. Yeah, and that's for whatever reason. So it's just like the ten movies that are the yeah. most important or impactful to you right now. The ones you're thinking about the most or, you know, for whatever reason, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you want to go first? Yeah, we want to do rifle through or want to go one for one? Uh, one for one. All right. These are not in order. Yeah. Because I couldn't get that far into it. Um, but I think if I were to put them in order, number one would be, or it'd be closer to number one is Honey Boy. Yeah, that, and, that was uh, almost on my list. Oh, it didn't make it? Didn't yeah, make it on there? Didn't make it on there. Yeah, after I watched that a couple weeks ago for the Shia LaBeouf podcast, uh, I've just been thinking about it like so much. It's so good. No, I that I think I said it on some other episode we were talking about. Oh, the actors episode. I had said that Shia LaBeouf, like that movie, I related to in you know in a, in a big way. So like that movie meant a lot to me. But uh, for a, I chose filmmaking reasons for the most of my okay so uh, you're, you're having like more technical yeah well, okay we have totally different i'm interested to see then how our lists are so i different. mean some yeah and i you know like where i'm at right now like I, the no, no movies are really affecting me emotionally lately so like i i couldn't pick it based off that yeah. Uh, where, like, you know, normally it was like, wow. You know, like something like Honey Boy. Yeah, you know, speak uh, that, to you. That deeply affected me. Uh, where, you know, that's... Um, so I'm not really doing that. So, like, uh, yeah, mine's mostly technical or, or something that interested me, so... Um, okay, what what do you have? What's your one of yours? <laughs> sorcerer. <laughs> sorcerer, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Dude, sorcerer? What yeah. you, all right, tell me... Why? Uh, William Friedkin, uh, like the director, I just find him. Jesus. I heard that. Yeah, that yeah. was a big screech. <laughs> I, I find the movie just so interesting. I love the way it was structured. I love the fact it was just so new, you know. And for its time. Not even for its time. Even now, people don't. You know, movies are so formulaic now. You know. That certainly isn't formulaic, yeah. yeah. So, but I guess that is something you could appreciate in itself. Yeah, so I just found it really artful, and I loved the storytelling, and then those tension sequences and those action sequences are fucking awesome. And so, like, it that movie is a technical achievement, and I think an epic in the truest, uh, in the truest nature of like movies and cinema. So, sorcerer for sure. Okay. Um, okay. Um, I were to make a list of Not them. for everyone, obviously, but like Yeah, if I were to make a list of top ten movies least important to me, I think I would go ahead and put Sorcerer on there. <laughs> I don't know, bro, that movie just pissed me off. And not for everyone. Pissed me off. Not there, for me. There's not movies for everyone. No, yeah, for sure. Me uh like last night or the night before me and uh Jelly watched uh sorry, uh we watched Good, Bad and the Ugly. Like 
Oh yeah, you guys did watch. You that, would huh? hate that. You yeah, know? Just but so... that's one of the most famous movies ever, and I, I think it's like one of the greatest movies ever. So like, I was just talking to someone the other day saying like, for some of the more classic genre defining movies that I haven't seen, so like Good, Bad, and the Ugly, for example, or yeah. you know I haven't seen Star Wars. That always gets people. I'm not super into sci-fi, but just because. I haven't seen them doesn't mean I wouldn't be interested in watching them because of their place in cinema. Like, just to see, like, okay, like, this is where a lot of stuff comes from, even if it's not exactly my vibe. So, yeah, I guess I could appreciate the fact that Sorcerer is such a totally unique structure for storytelling. It just really was not my vibe. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So, uh, yeah. All right. Um, I'm on a, I gotta put like little marks next to which ones I say, because they're not in order. I'm on a Jonah Hill kick, like crazy. Still gotta watch mid-90s though. Yeah. So I don't call too. me out on that. I okay. haven't seen, have seen that either. <laughs> um, but I think War Dogs right now, and since I've seen it, I saw it a long time ago. Have you seen War Dogs? Yeah. Um, I liked how it was edited. I thought it was cool. I love Jonah Hill. He's like such a crazy little prick in that movie. Like he's awesome. No, Jonah Hill's <laughs> great, and I, and I thought I thought the performances were great. I just remember being unimpressed with that movie. Or, what? Like you didn't I, like the editing? It was very Michael Bay feel. I felt like that's fine. I that's mean, your shit. I think because that's what visually I like, but yeah. that doesn't mean. Uh, you know, storytelling wise, that's what I want everything to be. And I didn't, I would, I didn't come away with that story remembering really anything of note that of the way it was told or the way it was executed. That's funny. I remember it very well for those reasons. I thought it was a weird story. <laughs> it was like young people, like our age ish, and they like went and cashed out on basically well, I, America being like a weapon. I, mean, I remember force. like. I remember scenes in it and stuff that, like, you know, were cool or stood out. But, like, I don't know. It was just... It didn't blow me away. And it, that came out kind of the same time Wolf of Wall Street. Where it you, did. You see... And those were the same vibe. And you see Wolf of Wall Street is a cool way of telling that story. That done better. So that sticks out in my mind far more than something like... Yeah. Movie. Yeah, they were the same vibe. They did do it... Different. I think Jonah Hill being in both of them even accentuates them being sort of the same sort of... I don't even know how to describe that. Same energy, same cinematic appeal. Yeah, like... I don't, <laughs> I don't know. know how the fuck to describe it. They're like the same, though. Same feel, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's... So, I don't know. That movie... Did, I, I, it just didn't do anything that really... Didn't um, shake you. Yeah. And if, did Todd Phillips direct that? I don't know. Um, I don't know who directed it. I'll have to look that up, but, um, okay. Uh, what about you? What's what? next? The ninth configuration. Okay. Oh, we were just talking about that before we started. Yeah, so, it, uh, well, it, that is a movie that affected me in a personal way or, like, an emotional way, you know. Uh, All right, what's up with it? I don't really know what that movie is uh, about. It's about a, uh. There's a castle out here somewhere in the Northwest, uh, and during Vietnam, they were, like, putting people, like, crazy soldiers there, and, mm-hmm. like, you know, for, like, psychology to, like, test what this thing was. They were trying to figure out what PTSD was, but they didn't know back then. So, everybody's there, and this new, like, colonel comes in, and he's a psychiatrist, 
Um, and so he's trying to figure everything out, but like, it's this whole thing about who is crazy, who's acting crazy. And it's the, like the, the patients, like the movie's more of a comedy than a, uh, than a drama in a lot of ways, but it is very much a drama and it turns very drama. It's the same guy who wrote the exorcist and the exorcist three. Okay. So like the dialogue's just the funniest, it's like one of the funniest movies I've ever seen, but at the same time, it's like so emotionally weighty and the, what they're talking about. And so... There's this astronaut, um, and he's actually in, the character is in The Exorcist. He's uh, the when Reagan comes down the stairs and pees on the carpet. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's talking to this guy playing the piano. And she's like, "You're gonna die up there," and he's an astronaut. Same character. So, oh, okay. On his space launch after he met Reagan in The Exorcist, he like bugged out and you know escaped the you know he didn't want to go. Yeah. He freaked the fuck out. So. Um, and so the whole movie's about him, like, questioning God, basically. Like, why is there a God? And so this... Cosmic Colonel, Wonders. I yeah, like this kind of movie. This is. Colonel Kane character has to, uh... He has to, like... He, he for, He's trying to show him there is a God, you know? So it's just this arguing of two people, you know? And it's done very eloquently and, and, and wittily and, and funny. And the blocking's awesome. And it's just... It's beautiful. It's it's one of the best. I, I remember after I watched it because I kind of stumbled upon it. I saw William Peter Blatty mm-hmm. Ninth Configuration. I was like, okay, well, I like him because I like Exorcists and Exorcist Three. You know, like those are uh, Exorcist, one of my favorite movies. Uh, not on the list, but you know, Exorcist is forever. yeah, one of your all time yeah, forever favorites. one of my favorite movies. <sighs> so, um. Shit, what was I on? Oh, yeah, so I, I, yeah, so I saw that and just kind of stumbled on the movie, and I put it on, and it starts with this, like, John Denver song, and I'm like, what the fuck? And it's all this footage of, the, like, the mountains out here, and just trees. And so this, you're immediately in, yeah, obviously, you being you. <laughs> this castle, and it's raining, you know, and I'm just like, okay, what the hell's going on here? But then it starts to get into this weird moon imagery and all this stuff, and, like, like the moon rising and all this, like, astronaut image. And, uh, no, I'm good. Um... So, yeah, I was just instantly, I was like, what the fuck is this? And I went in knowing nothing. And, yeah, it's just really good movie. Uh, And there's there's some twists and turns and stuff in there about, like, who people really are. And it's fucking wild. uh, And it really gets into, you know, one psychology, but it also, always this bottle thing. Um, Not only gets into psychology, but but it gets into, you know, the big question, why? Yeah. And What's this called? What is it? The Ninth Ninth Configuration. We're going to watch it because we're going to do an episode on it next week. Um, Okay. So, yeah, it's just, yeah, after I watched it, I was like, I think that's one of the most important films I've ever seen. Um, (laughs) I I think I made a post, like, right after I watched it, yeah, where I I put up the poster and was like, yeah. Move to get to social media. (laughs) You guys got to go fucking check this out, dude, right now. Yeah, so I just... (laughs) was dumbfounded by it and uh it's one of my favorite movies i'm excited to see it i have i I went and bought like a 200 dollar original marquee poster oh really like last one in existence as far as i can tell so um but i have to get a 30 by 40 frame which is such a hard size to find what the fuck dude why are frames so expensive yeah frames out here like 200 dollars. i didn't know frames were so expensive jesus yeah 
This was by far, people listening, not watching, we have on set a copper pipe frame. Cost what, like nine to yeah, ten bucks to took, like saw these pipes apart. Took me like ten minutes to make that. Yeah, it's a hacksaw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But boom. Dude, let's ditch this business. Let's make frames. Let's be frames. We're out. We'll be framers. We'll yeah. call it basic, basic framing. framing. bro. And we're back in the movies. We did it. <laughs> and then, yeah, then we'll make the movie basic yeah. framing. <laughs> All right, so ninth configuration. Um, nah, I kind of do wish I put these in order, because now my mind wants them in order. Uh, I just went off how I remembered as I thought of them. Okay. I did, I'm not pitting anything against anything. No, they're, mine are also different. not so different. Like, you know, I kind of like the same artsy. If you want, let's just grab it. No. Same artsy movies. Uh, I guess the next one I'll talk about, Sorry to Bother You, with Lakeith Stanfield. I need to see that. Oh, dude, so good. You'll love... The lighting and the editing, first of all, is so intense and cool and neon and artsy and poppy. And the editing is quick and pulls you in and almost has like like Michael Bay meets Tarantino. Like those cut in, cut over, like quick sequence. And, uh, and then Lakeith Stanfield, he's like the main dude in it, you know. Like, he's, like, a telemarketer or whatever. Oh, it's, it's probably like, very Edgar Wright, is what you were describing. You're like, Tarantino meets Michael Bay. Is that, is that who that is? If you watch, like, Shaun of the Dead or Hot Fuzz, it's all this, like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly that. And so, Keith Stanfield's awesome in it, dude. And uh, Gled from The Walking Dead is in it. Cool. I like him. He's cool. And um, it talks about some, like, real shit. Like, yeah, he's the telemarketer or whatever. But it sort of starts talking about, like, as society, like, what are we working for? And how we're all sort of, like, slaves to capitalism. Not to sound like the, like, fuck the capitalist agenda guy. But it's talking about, um, yeah, how that is sort of what all of our lives revolve around. How people have to really go into almost being, like, slaves to it. And in this movie, sign over their lives to like work at this like labor camp and they get a place to sleep and eat and it's pitched as like this positive thing but really you're just signing up to be a slave for labor and so it talks about that really and like selling out and it's just dope like he's stanfield's cool i love that guy he's an uncut gems which is another uh, a whole did you know i'm a clown i'm a clown Uh, i'm such a clown that's on here it'll be on here okay I need to make revisions, but yeah, Lucky Stanfield's cool. So that's sorry to bother you for sure on the list. I, I really need to watch. It's on Hulu right now. Uh, I'm a I'm a big proponent of physical media. I know you are. <laughs> I know. I kind of wish I was too though, because when it's hard to find shit like Kevin Smith's Red State, that and they take the it off streaming exactly. You have <laughs> Blu-ray, so there's definitely value in that. Oh, you have a Blu-ray player now. I do. If it's if you ever take it out of your trunk, it's in my room now. Oh, yeah, it's way upstairs. <laughs> cool. So, what's your next one? Apocalypse Now. Okay, I haven't seen that actually. Yeah, I suck for that one. You would hate it. Okay. I don't. I don't know. Well, it depends on the version you watch. There's a two hour, like a two and a half hour version, and then there's a four hour version. Why? I think that's a whole other movie. How could you say because you could take a two-and-a-half-hour version instead? Because of what the movie is. Uh, so, I actually just wrote an essay on it. Uh, so, there's this novel called In the Heart of Darkness, and it's 
I don't know too much about it, but it's about like people on this jungle like journey down the Amazon River or something like that, and they just slowly go insane. So this movie is from Francis Ford Coppola, who did The Godfather, and uh, you know, yeah, Francis Ford Coppola. So yes, yeah, it comes from him, and he decided to add it. Sorry, doing an adaptation of that novel, and it's now about Vietnam. Okay, uh, and that's pretty cool. So, this mercenary played by Martin Sheen uh, is—he's he, uh, sorry—he's he, like put on a mission to like he's in the army though, but he's put on this mission to go assassinate a colonel um, who basically took his like unit out in the in the jungles of Vietnam and like basically like went crazy and they just massacred everybody and they become like this little religion out there. Okay. And like they just, they all went crazy or something. And so what apocalypse now apocalypse now. So he has to take a jungle boat down this fucking river to, um, go murder this guy who went insane. And over the course of the story, the character Martin Sheen plays is already pretty fucking disturbed. You know, we see he's got this big, like, crying scene, you know, where he just goes insane and punches a mirror. Like, it's an Oscar thing, and yeah. he's, he's really bleeding, and they just got him pissed drunk, and he just went off and just, you know. Nice, organic. Went, yeah, went insane, and they filmed it. I actually made an actor do that. <laughs> go down in yesteryear, same thing. Same vibe. Uh, because, well... Dude, our movies that we, our movie three wrote, Abreaction, and the movie I just directed, uh, Showdown in Yesteryear, <laughs> Apocalypse Now was like, that's, it is so interesting to me right now. Like, I, I've just been transfixed with the making of it because there's a documentary behind it, there's a novel, you know, there's all this stuff behind the scenes. It's so well documented because his wife, uh, Francis Ford Coppola's wife, uh, can't think of her name, um, it was like Eleanor or something like that. Um, she uh, basically filmed the whole thing behind the scenes and would interview him daily. And that's like, pretty cool. That's very cool. So it was documented, but he kind of the director slowly went insane too. And like, so the director came out and he said, like, it was just like, or he says, uh, he was like, what was it like shooting in the Philippines? He was like, well, we were uh, we were overfunded. We had like we had too much money. Too little experience, like too much blah, blah, blah. And he says this whole thing. He's like, we slowly went insane. It was kind of like Vietnam. And so, like, yeah, it's just well, it's like the most well-documented behind the scenes ever. That's really cool. And, it, yeah, the director slowly went crazy in the movies. So the four-hour version is, you could watch the two-hour version. Or you can watch the four-hour version, which is the whole trip down the river. You see everything because they come past, you know. They, they see all this crazy shit, you know, as they go down the river and, like, these giant war scenes. And you're just kind of going through what would be another movie or, you know, like... That's what I'm saying. How could you even really say you've seen it if you haven't seen the four-hour version? Because that's a whole entire another movie. It's... Well, no, I mean, you can get the gist of it watching that. I remember being... Yeah. I, I watched the movie probably when I was, like, eight years old the first time. And the cover is really cool. The poster of it's fucking amazing. Mm -hmm. So, like, I remember just being transfixed by the cover. And, um, so I rented it and watched it as a kid and it was just, I just remember thinking it was like really cool because of the war stuff that I was seeing, but I think it was boring. Uh, it was like playing, you know, I didn't understand yeah. what I was watching, but I thought there was a lot of really cool stuff and I liked how it looked at that age. And I, you know, 
I liked the ending with uh, Marlon Brando because I, I remember liking his monologue even back then. But like watching it now, I, I rewatched it while I was in the army, um, and I watched like the four hour version, and I was just like. Phew. But like, yeah, the two-hour version sums it up. You get the point, you know, and it shows you enough crazy shit along the way that you get it. But you know, the four-hour version is a com- it's a totally different thing. Um, not for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Advisory, not for everyone. But, yeah, that makes sense. No, yeah, Apocalypse Now has been hugely. It's it's so important to me, you know, or at least on the last two movies, or the movie we just wrote and the movie I just made. Mm-hmm. Um, influential. It, yeah, it was hugely influential. That's cool. And That's you, very cool. You see that a lot in abreaction with you know some of our like apocalyptic imagery and mm-hmm. just yeah, for sure. Yeah, you you see a lot of that, um, and then also. Uh, you know, yesteryear, there's just a lot of emotional... I, I did some weird shit. <laughs> it probably doesn't fit in the movie, but it's just like, oh, you like this goofy western time travel movie? Like, here's some fucking... Here's some cosmic shit. Dude. Yeah. Here it fucking is. <laughs> what is life? What is death? What? <laughs> uh, so, yeah. You know, cool. <laughs> That's dope. All right. Okay, next, um, let's see, what do I want to talk about? Okay, I think I'm going to replace, I had Social Network on here, I really like that. Worth mentioning, especially like, can't stress enough, these are my top ten right now. Yeah, right now. Because <laughs> I'm I, talking I, about these older movies and I'm remembering older ones and I'm like, fuck dude, yeah, like there's some... But no, I'm trying to No, it's right, right now. Right, right now. now. Like social network. But no, I'm replacing that. Yeah. Okay, so um, you were uh, going to So yeah, I'm replacing out. social network with um, Uncut Gems because that movie was fucking crazy. And dude. it's more important to you right now. Yeah, social right network, now. in my opinion, is a better film if we had to rate them. Yeah. But yeah, right, no, now, right now. I'm hyped on Uncut Gems. It's way more interesting. I'm hyped on The Stone. Yeah. And so... (laughs) You truly are. (laughs) No, that movie was crazy. Like, something I really liked about that and uh, Good Time, which, you know, obviously was both the same people making it, is that there was never more than just... There was never uh, less than two things going on at a time. Like, you don't get a moment of just one conversation. Like, it's a conversation, a phone ringing. It is... That movie is so anxiety-inducing, dude. And I love it because it, like takes me on a journey out of my own anxious journey and on to somebody else's. And both of them, honestly, good time and uncut gems. It is so stressful. It's so good, though. And Adam Sandler was so good in it. I know, I know. Like, and then I find out they're fucking related, dude, and I'm like, what is this, man? So I liked it. I thought it was funny and dramatic. And then the end, dude, I thought it was going to throw up. I was gonna fucking puke for what? some reason. How stressful or what? Well, how it ended. I was rooting for Adam Sandler, and then how it's been out for long enough to do a spoiler or what do you think? Uh, I haven't really been getting into the ending of anything. Okay, let, I don't want to ruin it because the ending was crazy. But I was taken for a fucking ride, dude. I thought I was gonna throw up, and yeah, I think I Facetimed you. I was like, I watched on Good Gems. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was like what the fuck um 
And honestly, kind of same with Good Time. That's so worth mentioning with Uncut Gems. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that is for sure on there. Anything more you want to say about it? I don't know, bro. I watched that shit like three times in a week. Like, I watched it once with Minnie, came home, put it on in the background, and then watched it fully like another time, like all within a week. And then I tried to put it on the other day when you were here, and you were like, turn this off. Like, this is stressful. (laughs) (laughs) I saw it in theaters when it came out. uh, And I think that was, like, one of the last two movies I saw. It was, like, that and Peanut Butter Falcon. Oh, man, I haven't seen that. I have to. Or something. The Hunt was cool. Yeah. The Hunt was cool. Um, I have Drive. That's on mine, too. All right, so let's knock Drive out, then. Yeah. Um, I mean, what is there to say about Drive? It, in my opinion, is a perfect movie, and <laughs> I hate watching it because it makes me not want to watch other movies. I just watched Drive uh, two nights ago, again, for the millionth time, and, uh, God, dude, it's just so intense. Like, you were just in there, and, like, I have watched it by myself before, and I always feel like watching it was watching movies with other people, you get, like, a different experience because when people do something embarrassing, it's more of a cringe when you're with somebody else. And so you kind of, like, realize different things about characters. Um, And so, yeah, I'm watching it the other night uh, with a buddy of mine, and I was so much more cringed out by Ryan Gosling than I remember being. He's a little creepy, and it made me feel like it was more... It was for sure in the same universe as Nightcrawler. Because he had that, like, weird, like, kind of boundary-pushing, not socially acceptable energy with this girl. Um, which was, of course, meant to be romantic. But if you look at it, there is definitely some stuff that it was just like, what are you doing, bro? What you think? I love it. <laughs> it. It becomes nice once she's in on it. But his lurking ways prior to, he was pushing the limits. You don't think he was a lurker? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's so cute. Cute. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it ends. It ends cute. I mean, no, Doesn't, no, it does not end cute. It's tragic. It gets cute and it ends tragic. My skewed perception of cute. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I no, I remember watching that movie. I saw that in theaters probably when I was like fourteen years old or whatever. And back then, I didn't understand like art films mm-hmm. or anything. And and this drive is the perfect middle ground between art film and you know normal digestible yeah. movie. And uh, we've seen this director. Uh, we were talking about this earlier. Like we we've seen this director go too far into art film. With Bronson, for sure, that was Place Beyond the Pines or whatever. Yeah. Oh yeah, and Place Beyond the Pines. Yeah, so those you know they, they're a little too far into uh, art film. Where like this movie's I don't know it's literally perfect. Yeah, it's great. It's aesthetic. For the cast members are all also aesthetic. Like everyone in that movie's like super attractive if you really look at them. And even if you don't really look at them, they're just. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the dude that is an ex machina is in it, and I didn't know that. Um, uh, Oscar Isaac. Yeah, and he's cool. I like him. It's weird to see him not like a, the beefed up billionaire dude because I've only ever seen him in Ex Machina, which is a dope movie. Jesus. He's that was in a the... dog sneeze. Bless you, Mac. <laughs> oh, another one. Thank you. Maybe stop huffing dust bunnies, bro. Um, he's in uh, Star Wars, but you wouldn't know. I don't. I haven't seen Star Wars. <laughs> as I earlier confessed. Um, I have. Oh wait, no, it's you. 
Because that okay. was mine. That was Drive. Um, well, I guess a good segue from Drive is Nightcrawler. And yeah. that, yeah, I just saw that. I know it's been out for a minute, obviously, but I just saw that for the first time a few months ago. And uh, that movie was so cool and fucking weird. And Jake Gyllenhaal is such a creepy little weirdo monster man. And I feel like we get to go on this whole journey with seeing him, like, manipulate. Okay. Puppy shake. We get to see him really manipulating um, all of the other characters. But something about the way they did it, he's so not likable. Like, I'm so not rooting for him, but we go with I him. I kind of am. You're I'm rooting for him? Kind of. Oh, my God. I think he is such a cluck, dude. Like, uh, that guy is such a clown. I might also be crazy. So, <laughs> like, said, I have issues. <laughs> I empathize with him. Yeah, like an, a drive nightcrawler. I, I see the vibe. <laughs> exactly what's going on. Psycho. <laughs> but, no, I thought that was a really cool movie. And, um... Done artsy, but I kind of would have liked to see a little more artsiness, like how Drive is. At least I don't know. I just yeah, like movies I like also that. Drive has style, or like mm-hmm. you know, Nightcrawler does as well. But it's not like Drive is cool. Yeah, Drive is poppy and like Pretty. an aesthetic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Nightcrawler, yeah, it's dope and it looks good, but I want the aesthetic. I feel like it's almost there, and in my mind, like Drive has like. Like when the music comes in, you know, like the music's so cool. Or like when that uh, that like really pretty like uh, opera, or I don't even know how to how to describe it. Like that song comes on when he has that face on and he like oh, comes to yeah. the window. Mm-hmm. It's all slow mo. It like kills that guy in the ocean and everything. Like, yeah, very cool. <laughs> no, it's super music driven, and I really like that about his movies because even Bronson was like that too. And Bronson, uh, yeah, the director of Drive wrote that and directed it, and it was. Very artsy. Um, dude, sorry guys, my dog's so mischievous. But yeah, Bronson was super artsy and every shot could have been a photograph. Like it was composed beautifully, but it was pushed so metaphorically that it lost touch with reality in my mind and kind of lost my investment in it. Where, yeah, the drive is perfect yeah it's perfect it's- <laughs> nightcrawler is in that universe do you think it could be in the same universe i mean sure i mean they look you know yeah there's a certain la vibe about yeah it, but la creepiness i don't know drive is so pretty and romantic and you know nightcrawler's in the in the not as well lit side of la yeah <laughs> nightcrawler's a little greasier and it is greasier That's creepier oh yeah it's so <laughs> so, it's so creepy, creepy where a drive is kind of like a fairy tale my number one the thing my biggest takeaway favorite moment in nightcrawler to throw all of its cinema and dialogue in the trash my favorite part is when he grabs that guy or no when he grabs the guy he looks at that guy and tells him what, what's I feel thing? like grabbing you by your ears and screaming in your face <laughs> I'm not fucking interested like, <laughs> and he was so calm and he's such a psycho and I'm like if I don't start telling my enemies I want to grab them by the ears like so yeah Nightcrawler's on there yeah Nightcrawler's great what's um, your next one once Upon a Time in the West. Okay. Uh, Western from Sergio Leone came out in uh, 1976. 67, sorry. Oh, uh, yes, your classic modern day favorites. <laughs> this is what. 67. <laughs> these are what are important to me right now, you know? Okay. Um, 
every shot of that movie, it's like a slowed down Michael Bay movie because every shot is like the most beautiful cinematic thing you've ever seen. But unlike a Michael Bay movie, it's slow enough that I can see it, okay. you know? And, and enjoy the shot. Yeah, and it's just, wow. And it's just this really epic, awesome Western story with, you know, like... Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's just got these cool characters where, like, you don't know, you know, if they're good or bad, but, you know, you really like them, and they're just so mysterious, and, like, they have a payoff in a certain way. It's a beautiful fuck. I don't know. It's just pure cinema, and it's just pure, like... <laughs> pure cinema, pure Western, pure gold. It, yeah, it, it's fucking amazing, and it's it's long as hell. It's three hours long, and it's slow, but it's just... You don't care because everybody's so interesting and there's such a mystery going on. Even though you know at a point, like, why what's going yeah, on is going you on. Yeah, you spend time with the characters. You still don't know everything about the characters. That's cool. I know what's going on now in the plot, but, like, I don't know why these people care. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so it's just so interesting and beautiful and... Uh, yeah, man. <laughs> what is it called? Once Upon a Time, time in the West? West? Yeah. Okay. Dope. Um, oh, the score is, like, so cool. Worth mentioning, for it, sure. It, it, it should, like, yeah, it, it, as its own thing, it's like, you know, as far as music goes, it's, you know, it's just like as high up classic-wise as movies go in scores. That's cool. All right. Okay. Yeah. To follow that 1967 classic. Um, I guess Midsummer is my next one. I know. Yeah, you've really been on that. <laughs> and I've like Midsummer. I've been on Midsummer for probably like a year because I was like on this hype when I was still living in Georgia, and. I thought you were pointing that bottle at me. <laughs> what? You will not bring this film up again. <laughs> Stop talking about Midsummer. <sighs> yeah, I know. <sighs> Dude, I just wish you would watch it. I, I, I know what I need to know about that film, and I don't feel no. like making myself feel like that right now. It doesn't even make... You're going to be transported to another Swedish wonderland, dude. No, I'm good. And I, so, I, <laughs> fine, then I'm going to go on this tangent about Midsummer, and you're you, going to have to buckle in. Yeah, bro. you're allowed to talk about it, obviously. <laughs> I just, I don't try to convince me. <laughs> you might be convinced after this. No, all right, go ahead. <laughs> well, I don't know. For me, Midsummer, like, I feel like I've talked about it in the horror podcast, you know, a little bit. So... It's just so different and weird and eerie and scary in its own way. And, like, I feel like we're watching it and we're following this girl, the main character, and we're, like, it's like we're, like, suffocating with her and we feel all of her feelings and she's not super likable, so it's sort of annoying to feel all her feelings, but you're right there feeling with her and they're all justified because these other characters aren't honestly that likable either. So when these fucked up things start happening to them, it's like, okay, yes, but also, like, you sympathize with her and having this constant loss, and then we see that break in her head, like, we finally see she's, like, her brain can't handle any more of this loss and trauma, and that's when she makes the switch, and I'd say that's the last, like, like, ten minutes of the movie is so midsummer. Yeah, basically, I was just saying, we go on this journey with her and see her psyche sort of snap, and for me watching it, 
I felt she, she was justified in it. Like, her snap and the ending. Like we said before, I don't want to give, like, too much away. I know it's been out for a minute, but still, it's so good. It's just so good. All right. Well, <laughs> I'm glad that you, you've had this experience. I'm hyped on Midsummer. Well, you, yeah. Um, Jeremiah Johnson is my next one. What is that? <laughs> it's from, like, 1970. Dude, I'm what the hell? <laughs> Hey, for whatever reason, important to you right now. It doesn't have to be new. And there's not that many new movies, is there? Oh, from from the 70s? I think there's probably a couple. No, I'm saying, like, <laughs> new movies. I'm saying... All right, go, Jeremiah Johnson. I don't know. It's this Robert Redford movie uh, about a mountain man in Wyoming. Um, it's just his dealings with, uh, uh, I think, the Blackfoot Indians. I, I forget which tribe, but um, it's his... It's, uh, based off a true story, uh, and this about this guy who, uh, you know, he was out there. <laughs> he's out there living mountain man, and then he found he got a uh, he married a squaw, uh, native you know, a Native American woman, and he uh, adopted a son from like a uh, a house out there where uh, you know, like that was killed, like people that were slaughtered by uh, some Indians. So like there was a kid left over. So you know, he had like an adopted son and a wife. And, um, some, like, uh, some Civil War, like, troops come through, like, uh, you know, Union side, so, you know, it's the Army comes through, and they're like, oh, we need you to guide us through, uh, you know, these, you know, through these mountains, otherwise these guys are gonna die, you know, somewhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, so he takes them, and against his better judgment, you know, they make him go through a, uh, Native American, like, burial ground. Uh, so when he gets back to his house, they had murdered his, uh, you know, his wife and, oh, wow. and scalped his kid and stuff. Um, the true story is much darker than the movie. Uh, the true story is like they when they because when they killed him, uh, she was like pregnant with his baby and they like cut it open, and pulled the you know. It, true how? Who verified this? I don't know. I've read it on some like historical thing. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I just always like to make sure. No, actually, I heard there's a there's a there's these history YouTube channels like you know where historians talk about, yeah, movies. about movies. Oh, that's yeah. cool. That's so yeah, he had talked about what they really did, and it was a lot more gruesome. So interesting. They didn't include that in the movie because I feel like that would only enhance the story. I don't know. The movie's not directly trying to. Um, follow Skew it. perception or something. Yeah. Like well, the movie is telling a, its own story, but it's not too fixated on trying to, you yeah. know. No, I'm fine. Oh. It's not too fixated on trying to get all the facts right because I don't even think they call him like the same name or something. Um, okay. So it's just loosely based. Well, the guy, the dude called the guy Jeremiah, I think his name was Jer Jeremiah Liver Eating Johnson. So I think. Oh, wow. I think it is, yeah. <laughs> It's true, but it's not too focused. But I think it's uh, the. I remember the video essay thing I watched. The guy said it was pretty accurate, except for in the movie it seems like five years. Where in reality, so after they did that, he went on like a killing spree, and like killed a bunch of the Indians uh, who did it because it was a certain tribe. Like the only, you know, he didn't get along with one, so he went and, like killed a bunch of them, and then it became like some. 
like a tribal like ritual or like you know thing that every year they would just send one after him mm-hmm. um, one like assassin to go kill him basically and uh, this went on for 25 years and he just killed them all that's super stressful and the, in their belief or something I, I, I could be getting this all a lot of this wrong but like in their belief um that you, like your liver had something to do with your passing to the afterlife, so he would pull out their livers. He would pull out their livers and eat them as like a sign of like know, he's taking that from them. Yeah, it was on his own savagery. What a psycho! So the movie doesn't show any of that. <laughs> and I would like to see one that did though, because that sounds crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, no, a lot of these stories in real life are way cooler than the movies. So. Unhinged. Yeah. So the. Uh, but yeah, the movie is kind of a summed up version, but it really covers the whole thing, and it's really beautifully done, and it's like one of the, you know, it's a really beautiful movie. And yeah, it's just awesome. Uh, so, What's it, that called? Jeremiah Johnson. Jeremiah Johnson. Uh, Robert Redford. I have the Blu-ray. Nice. Blu-ray collector. What you got next? Uh, I don't know, bro. You talking about all these old movies make me remember stuff. Old movies. No, it's whatever's important to you. You wrote down what you have been thinking about. But I changed one, not to an old movie, but because <laughs> I remembered a different one that is a perma classic. So I guess I'll talk about that. So I replaced rom com cuteness. He's just not that into you because that's one that makes me laugh and is cute and is yeah. like sad and funny. But replace that with forever favorite Requiem for a Dream. Oh, yeah, always. Because, <laughs> <For> you. <laughs> yeah, that's, like, for sure one of my hands-down favorite movies. I can watch that every single day of my life. I don't I know. I love that movie. I would go insane. I don't know either. <laughs> me studying Apocalypse Now made me go crazy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, watching that movie every day, I think... Uh... Requiem is edited so cool, and it's creepy little theme song. Just, like... I could hear that song just on its own, and like anyone I know that's like seen it a bunch knows that you you know what song I'm talking yeah. about, like uh, that eerie shit that just plays every time they start doing something bad, and so I could hear it, and it would give me automatic anxiety. I'm like a Pavlovian dog with the song, <laughs> and um, I think that's cool. You know that the movie was able to do that with just like such a quick piece of audio, and build that through the movie. I like that a lot. And um, I think it's dope how they intertwined these people that are all related, but totally different stories, but the same root drug problem and how they like intertwine and come apart and come back together again. It's just like really sickening. And a lot of it's really very real and how addiction looks. And I think it's just cool and really well done. And Jared Leto's dope. Oh my God, weird thing about Jared Leto that I read and then did further research on so what i read was like some stupid clickbait shit it's like oh jared leto leads a cult <laughs> he charges like people like 500 dollars to come watch him like like preach a sermon and like stay on this island with him so i'm like well that's sick i want to go like they were trying to like slander him i was like i don't give a fuck dude i want to go and <laughs> so i started looking into it it's not even a cult first of all so that i'm already out yeah. And if it's not a cult, I'm out. And it's like people are paying to basically have like a weekend excursion where Jared Leto wears like a white robe, dressed like hot Jesus, and like talks about his thoughts on the world and like plays 30 seconds to Mars music. 
That guy sniffing his own farts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> you think that's too much? Hey, you doing? Yeah. <laughs> oh I mean, I, I love that guy, but like... <laughs> Oh my god. Oh wait, it wasn't five hundred dollars. I think I've said that like three or four times. No, it was like a ton of thousands and thousands yeah, of dollars. That's insane. <laughs> five hundred dollars is not the cost. But that's okay. <laughs> so I thought that was really funny and made me kind of question like what's going on with him. <laughs> but fuck it. Alright. <laughs> so yeah. Requiem. Uh, you, what's next? <laughs> Uh, called Runaway Train, starring Eric Roberts and John Voight, 1986. Ah, uh, yes. Runaway Train. Uh, it came from Canon Films, but it's actually one of their only good movies. Oh, no, it's on my list, too. <laughs> Shut <laughs> up. Um, uh, it's a super simple thriller action movie about uh, two guys that escape prison in like the middle of fucking like buttfuck Colorado or somewhere you know like somewhere it's snowing and you know they'll die so they jump on this train but the like conductor has a heart attack and they it's kind of like an unmanned train you know so okay. it's just they have to they have to get to the front you know, uh, and there's some rail system like they're gonna run into something or something bad's gonna happen. I forget. Well, what they just jump off the train. Yeah, uh, because it's going like 70 miles an hour or something like that. Oh shit! The stakes are high, boys. <laughs> so they so, have to stop the train. It's just yeah, it's a super simple. Well, also like, what the hell? If they jump off, they're just gonna die because it's in the middle of the you know. Like That's a, snow, true. a snowy wasteland. They're in the, like, okay. the mountains. The stakes are even higher than Yeah, like they have to stay on the train. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, it's uh, really simple and it, it's cheesy and, you know, uh, 80s, but there's some really good acting in it from both Eric Roberts and John Voight, which I think he got like nominated for it. Um, so, really good movie, uh, simple, fun, and uh, don't really have much more to say about it. <laughs> nice. Runaway Train. Runaway Train. Oh, I have uh, the Blu-ray. Do you? An original poster signed by the director. <laughs> oh, that's actually really cool. Uh, that one didn't even cost me as much as the ninth configuration one. Really? Yeah. So. You should hang those and frame them. Uh, if I had space, I would. You but should put them all over the ceiling. And once we have an office, you know, they'll fill the office. I have, yeah, because I probably have like a hundred like original posters, like so. Yes, that's crazy. I need, yeah, yeah, somewhere to hang them. I just don't have anywhere. To yeah, there's nowhere. All right, next. What you got? Next up, I got her with oh. Scarlett Johansson, Walking Phoenix. Just saw that recently, and that movie was fucking crazy. And we didn't see Scarlett Johansson one time in the movie, and I felt like she was there through the entire thing. You've seen it, right? She's such a good voice actress. Yeah, like I, I felt like she was right there, and their chemistry, her and Joaquin Phoenix, was like such a real couple. And I was like on this ride with them and it was sad and weird and the parts that they wanted you to cringe at were so fucking cringy. And I love when a movie like really makes me feel so many things so deeply. And that movie like really did that. And it was so aesthetic. Like 
So I did some research about like how they made it look like that. Cause I was like, how do I live in that world? Like <laughs> basically where can I live? That is that what they did was they filmed it all in LA and then they added it in shots from like Japan and like in Tokyo and stuff, took those buildings, put it in there. And the director specifically wanted to leave, um, like the Japanese text in print on these signs and buildings because he was saying like that's totally how the future of LA is going to be and very like fashion district focused and stuff like that and I could so see it and um I thought it was beautiful like the story the look the acting like it was so good I wish I lived in that world I wish my life was lit like that <laughs> cool no I knew you would uh, like that me and Connor uh, Connor's a big fan of that as well he showed me that yeah he showed it to me and I was crying dude I was sobbing like <laughs> and he was thrilled because I was loving the movie but yeah that for sure he showed me that and um well another one on my list actually the last one but we'll get to that okay um hey a kind of modern one 2017 okay or maybe 18 I don't remember uh Wind River Ah, yes. What's Wind River? (laughs) (laughs) I thought you might have actually known. Uh, Uh, Taylor Sheridan, he did, uh, he wrote Sicario, a movie about the cartels. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So he wrote that, and then he did, uh, uh, I think he wrote and directed, no, he just wrote, uh, shit, what's that movie called? Hell or High Water with uh, Ben Foster and uh, Chris Pine. Really good movie, and so he did. He direct. He wrote and directed his own movie, and it's kind of a murder mystery uh, out in Wyoming. Uh, you know, of a Native American girl and uh, Jeremy Renner and uh, Elizabeth. Ah, I forget her name. She's uh, one of the Avengers. Uh, <laughs> so their characters, but it's just you know, it's a really good drama. Uh, it's got a lot, like a lot. The acting's great, and but the characters themselves are just so good. It feels like a just a novel you would read, you know. And it's just, it feel it's one. It's very beautiful, but at the same time, like, yeah, it, it's fucking harsh and real and hard to watch at times. And yeah. like, but it's and it's sad, but like it's, it's so cool. And at the end of the day, like everybody I've shown it to has loved it. Even people that don't like movies like that, you mm-hmm. know, like, because it's kind of a Western in some ways. But yeah, I can tell you're on a Western kid. It's, well, I've, you know, I'm, I'm always a big fan of Westerns. Cowboys. But, yeah. <laughs> but, um, it's not a Western, but like, you know, it, it, it's also like death of an era, death of a generation, you know, people like, you know, cause the Native American themes in it. And so it's. Just a really beautiful movie, and there's a lot of really good actors in it and uh, performances, and uh, I think it's important. I think you, I think you dig it. That's cool. Wind River. Wind River. It's on uh, Netflix, maybe. Oh, okay. Uh, I like when they're accessible because then I feel like people listening can watch. I could watch. Yeah. I don't yeah. have to go fucking hunt them down. Or I have to give you a Blu-ray. Yes. Okay, my last one. Also, Minnie showed me this one. Is uh, and I know it's been out, but I also just saw it. I have two more. Oh, I killed your drive. That's what happened. Oh yeah. We we knocked two out right there. Oh yeah, that's okay. Uh yeah, last one is World's Greatest Dad, Robin Williams, and uh, I forgot his real name. I know it. Junie Cortez. Cortez, Yeah. Spy Kids and um. Don't let that make you guys think anything silly's going on because Junie Cortez. 
was fucking hysterical in the driest way. It was awesome in it. And uh, so basically it takes us on the story of Robin Williams as Junior Cortez's dad. Junior Cortez is like such a little prick, son of a bitch, dude. He's the worst, but so funny. <laughs> and um, there's a portrait of him in the movie and yeah, Minnie and I were playing What Are the Odds? And I lost. And so now I gotta get that portrait tattoo <laughs> of him, which I'm a little stoked for. It's gonna go right in here, I'm ready. That'll entertain me. And, um, yeah, so basically, Junior Cortez accidentally kills himself. That's not like a spoiler, that's what drives the plot. He accidentally kills himself, um, masturbating and choking himself with the belt, and he hangs himself. And so, Robin Williams, what the rest of the plot is, is him writing this really beautiful suicide note. Robin Williams is a teacher aspiring to be a writer. And, um, Everyone goes crazy and starts doing the, like, oh, pretending they were so close with the guy that died for clout and, like, being overhyped, which is my one of the most hated things. So I really love to see a movie that, like, expose people acting like that because I think it's so irritating when people do that and um, really kind of creepy. But, yeah, so we see Robin Williams through this, and he's awesome and uh, gave a really good, funny, sad moving performance as always yeah and um it was great it was funny as fuck in disguise i was laughing out loud like tears coming out of my eyes it was very funny and uh i loved it i have it i still need to watch it yeah i think you'll laugh i think it's in a really weird way a feel-good movie and i know you think it's really sad and it should be but it's really not okay sad. <laughs> All right, what are your last two? Uh, Blowout. Okay, we gotta watch that one. Yeah, uh, John Travolta, directed by Brian De Palma. De Palma, good lord. Um, yeah, I don't want to say too much because uh, I don't want to give too much away about anything because uh, I just want to take you into it. Yeah, and you'll see why see I love happens. it. That's so hard for me to do with movies because. I always want to know what's going on. I get, like, anxious that I'm missing something. Don't understand when that's the point. And I'm like, what's happening? What's happening? Like an annoying toddler. Yeah. So. Like like the dog. Yeah, like Mac. Me and Mac are right here, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Same wavelength. Um, but no, yeah, it's just fucking cool. Yeah. And really good. And ton of style, shot kind of the way I like things to look. And edited super Brian De Palma's had such a big editing, um, you know, just the way he directs, actually, has had a huge influence on me. So, um, yeah, I think it's really cool. And my last one is uh, my only guilty pleasure on here. Wild Hogs. No. <laughs> I do, no, I don't like that. Dickie Roberts, Born to be a Star. Oh, I just mixed two together. You know what it is. David Spade kid movie. Tell me. That's it. <laughs> You're talking about Bucky, uh... No, that's Bucky Larson. <laughs> I'm talking about David Spade. Yeah, I don't care about that. This is nothing thoughts. That one. That's your last one, right? No. Come on, dude. Oh what is it? God. Yeah, it's Aspen Extreme. Uh, oh. Of course. Um, <laughs> of course. Top Gun, uh, but a ski movie. Yeah. And better than Top Gun in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah. 
just a cool movie about skiing, and it's got eighties. Uh, it's nineties, but very eighties. Yeah. Um, and it's just got you know an awesome soundtrack, and it's about skiing. And uh, Peter Berg's like one of the main characters, and I love Peter Berg. It's such a big deal, in fact, that uh, it's <laughs> our movie that we made. <laughs> Pond's Volition is just riddled with references uh, to it. Yeah, bro, that's all you. That's all you in that movie sneaking in. You know I didn't sneak in your ski references. <laughs> yeah, Pond there's... Ski God. There's tons of shit in there. But, uh, yeah, really cool movie. Uh, just enjoy it. So <laughs> Just watch it and absorb it. What's it called? Aspen Extreme. It's a really good time. Cool. And uh, that's it. We don't know what we're doing next week. Oh, wait, yeah, we're going to try something new. We're going to put Instagram poll up. Um, for the two topics we might do, so we're gonna try to do that. So if you're listening, go vote on the story, yeah, and that'll determine what we do next week. Um, by the time this comes out, it'll already be done, uh, and then eventually we have to do the ninth configuration and uh, fucking Exorcist three one so with me and Connor. So oh yeah yeah, but yeah, another time, another day. Or whatever the saying is. Whatever. Whatever. Go look at the Instagram polls. No, they will be able to do it because this is going to be up tonight. The audio, not the video. Yeah, the audio. I'm talking about them. I'm talking about these people. Video guys, you can't. Those guys. Audio guys on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcast, you can. Yeah, okay. All right, cool. Okay. All right, that's that. All right, bye. Bye. Coming to you from dreary Portland, Oregon. What the fuck? Shut up, lady. You're fucking up the audio. Your hosts, Katie Cassidy and Aaron Brancher, have some hot takes on film, cinema, and the movies. That's all the same thing. It's the Ask Backwards Podcast. You idiot. You moron. You stupid bitch.